what happens when, bang, they all dump dollars at the same time. They now have to keep printing or we crash. We've got this ticking time bomb. Talking gold with the one and only Andrew McGuire. Welcome to Live from the Vault. Welcome to Live from the Vault. My name is Shane Moran and I'll be your host for this week's episode and from the entire Live from the Vault team worldwide. We want to thank you for your continued support and as you can imagine, this community keeps growing more and more every single week and there's a lot to talk about during these historic times and Andrew McGuire is in the house with a returning guest industry expert again by popular demand from our live from the vault community the one and only andy sheckman is in the house of miles franklin and we'll be talking gold this is going to be an amazing episode and you won't want to miss a word here you know live from the vault gives you access to information and updates that you just can't get anywhere else and this episode is no exception now just before we go to talking gold with andrew mcguire and our special guest andy sheckman Please help us by keep spreading the word about this channel, by hitting that like button right now, by sharing this information and by subscribing. Now, if you click on the bell right there, you'll be notified as each of these episodes goes live. So let me tell you a little bit about our, our guest here in case uh, you haven't met him. You know, Andy Sheckman uh, has been a prominent figure in the financial services industry for over 25 years. And Andy has distinguished himself as a reputable speaker, of course, on economics, on global investing and on foreign currencies. And with that, let's head over to the UK and talking gold with the one and only Andrew McGuire and our special guest, Andy Sheckman. Over to you, Andy. Andy, actually, this is this is just a huge privilege to to have you uh, circle back with you. We've we had you here before, and um, this is all about information. It's about sharing information, uh, and and uh, I think you have so much to, to to give here. And you know what? I've just saying a minute ago. I you you're so busy at this time, and you just mentioned to me. I mentioned oh, I saw you doing um you're doing something with Robert Kiyosaki, and you're you're flying out tomorrow apparently to 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 talk at his massive. I mean these these are I mean these are sold out events. So can you tell us what what's happened here? This is something's happened to to make this suddenly explode. Yeah, first of all, it's always an honor to be here with you, Andrew. Um, big fan and follow everything you do, so thanks for having me. <clears throat> um, yeah, you know, I'll tell you, when I lived through Silver Squeeze in, in 2021, I, I would have told anyone that that will never be repeated, that you could never imagine the volume of interest in business that we saw in February of 2021. And it was a large group of, of new enthusiasts that were flocking into silver, but I would argue for the wrong reasons, right? They were flocking in because they wanted to get the silver market and squash the commercial banks and this huge short position, just like we did GameStop and AMC. Let's get them. We'll get them. And that was the wrong reason. And if you've been in this game as long as you and I have, Andrew, you know that Logic and outcome sometimes are uncorrelated in, in, in precious metals or have been for a very long time that, that, you know, you may see a backdrop of silver looking to be the most amazing investment in the world, and I do believe it is, but that the powers that be that have been able to step on the price of silver and gold for a very long time 
in order to support the bond market and to make things appear, this illusion of, of prosperity, make things seem okay, that's a, that's a tough hill to climb. And, and I think that, that, that motivation of greed, of wanting to make money is the wrong motivator in precious metals. And yes, you look at silver and, and it does have amazing, uh, an amazing story behind it, um, whether it be the supply side or the demand side or, or even the, what's coming out of the ground. I mean, every way you look at it, it, it supports a great story. But buying it to become wealthy is not the right idea. And what we have seen over the past three weeks, starting with the bank failures, with SVC and, and with uh, Signature Bank, and then the backstopping of it by the Fed, and then the retracting of that and saying, well, you know, the, the, uh, the regional banks, well, basically they're screwed unless we get a complete uber majority from the FOMC, the FDIC, myself being Janet Yellen, and the president, well, they'll, they'll just have to go by the wayside. And what that did is light a fuse under the, the bedrock of fear and anxiety in this industry to levels that I have never, ever, ever experienced to the point where I was just telling you in the last 30 days, we added just under 12,000 new clients in 30 days. Wow. That's years worth of clients in everything I've ever done before where we did over a hundred million in sales in, in two business weeks. That's more than we would do in a year before. And what you are seeing is a whole different uh, justification and motivation for entering this market. And you have people that are terrified of losing everything that they have worked so hard to obtain. And, and what, it's one thing for us to talk about the fragility of the bond market or the the overextension of the stock market or, or, or the housing market. It's another thing altogether to say, by the way, the money that you have in the bank, well, that, that's really not safe either. And whether it be by inflation, if the Fed were backstopping everything, or more realistically, the loss of it in terms of bail-ins and what would happen to all of these regional banks that Janet Yellen said, well, you know, if we feel that it's systemically important, that bank will bail it out, the rest of them, no. And when you realize that there's 5,000 or so of these banks around the United States that represent close to 70% of all the small business loans in the US, these, these regional banks, that make these loans less about a balance sheet and a business plan and more about, hey, Andy, it's great to see you again. How's your dad? I'll see you at the Little League game tonight, right? And hey, you know, I'll see you at the VFW or wherever. These are family relationships that go back, in some cases, generations at these small banks that have built a business or, or the farmers out there. A lot of my clients are farmers. Not only do they have their operating capital there, but the loans that they have that are used to, to be able to, to buy the combine and the diesel fuel and the seeds and to plant their field and then to have enough money to harvest it. And to, all of these things are tied into the cumulative level of tremendous anxiety right now where people are like, my God, what do we do? Do we leave it to the bank that we love and the people who have helped us build our business? Or do we pull it out and move it to JP Morgan or to Goldman Sachs or to Morgan Stanley, or do we buy gold and silver with it? And that has culminated in what has been the craziest three weeks of my career, where we're working 18 hours a day, literally seven days a week, and I am dead serious. It has not abated one iota uh, since the that Sunday night when we were trying to figure out what was going to happen with the SVC fallout. I mean, Andy, <clears throat> if I may say, 
No one deserves this better than you. you you've, this is a culmination. I believe this is, there's no coincidences. This is a culmination of everything you've been talking about, everything we've been talking about, which is one day you said this will happen. It was inevitable. And now it's happened. And now you're what you, you really touch the roots here. When you talk about regional banks and, how, and the relationships that you just talk about, this must be a complete nightmare for like someone like your father or, or, or a farmer or whoever it might be. And, and to say, well, hang on, they helped us. They helped us build our business. But hey, look, everyone else, all my neighbors, they're taking their money out because, hey, the interest rate differential between what the regional bank is paying us and the ballooning money market funds, which is the next shoe to drop, I mean, this must be is such a dilemma. Well, it is. And, 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 you know, when Janet Yellen was was being grilled by the representative for Oklahoma and he said, so let me get this straight. If if I mean, you're going to backstop all the regional banks in Oklahoma. Right. And and she said, no, only if they're systemically important. That ignited the fuse. No question about it. But when you talk, you, you mentioned something very interesting, and I think very few people understand this. And and I think it's something that people really need to think about, right? So uh, the money markets, right? So in, in 08, when the money markets, when, when Lehman Brothers fell, many of the money markets were invested with Lehman Brothers. And they started to go upside down. It's called breaking the buck, where everyone says, give me my money, give me my money, I want out, 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 give me, I want it out, because they were involved with the, the banking, everything's failing, give me my money. That's the anxiety we're feeling right now. But what most people don't understand is that, yeah, we've all been told about what a bail-in is, right? And, and, and it's amazing. I, I, I spoke to a bunch of accredited investors a few weeks ago on a Zoom call, and I said, does everyone know what a bail-in is? Raise your hand. And only a couple of them did. Even the accredited investors didn't even know what the hell a bail-in is. But more people have become accustomed to what a bail-in is. And for those watching this, I'm sure everyone knows what it is. But in the, in the minute event or the, the small chance that no one understands what that is or someone doesn't understand what that is, it is when the bank goes upside down, they're no longer bailed out by the taxpayer. They're bailed in by the depositors. You become a, an unsecured creditor of the bank, in other words, and you are used to make your funds are used to make the bank whole. But what people don't understand is at the same time they pass those laws, they pass what's called money market gating legislation, which is exactly what it sounds like. If it happens again where a, a systemic event where one of these too big to fail banks actually fails and they let them fail, and I have a, my feelings on that too, which we can talk about if you'd like, but the bottom line is if that happens and it starts to affect the money markets, you are locked in. They will gate you. You cannot get out because they don't want these money markets to turn upside down. But where is all the money rushing to? To the money markets and to the and to the to the brokerage accounts inside the money markets because they are paying a higher rate of return than what you're getting in a CD or whatnot at the bank. And so you have all these people herding into one pen that will be gated if, pardon my French, the shit hits the fan. And that is something that. A lot of these people who have ran to the money markets, they don't understand that. And I think people should, should do a little due diligence. They might, they might uh, be surprised at what they find. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're talking about a daisy chain here. Any one of those uh, banks, any one of those institutions goes down, 
the whole lot go down. I mean, we're talking about quadrillions in derivatives somehow intermixed. No one knows what this. No one, no one has a clue. It's a bet between you and I, and and then I've off, then I've laid it off onto my neighbour, and God knows what the the risk is there. But I mean, as you say, um, the, the, this is this is crazy. And and what you're just talking about, Andy, what you're just talking about here is resonating um, because look, I mean, look, you know, today we're gifted with. Uh, with a good move. Now, now, this is like, this is physical driven move. You're doing your bit here. 12,000 odd clients, all buying. Can I ask you, is it a mixture of silver and gold? Is it gold, silver? What is it? It's interesting you say that. <clears throat> I was talking with Chris Marcus this morning about that. For the last three years, last year was our biggest year ever. And last year, the two years preceding, um, almost everything was silver. I mean, literally 90 plus percent, 95 percent was silver. And what we are seeing now is um, a majority of these very large orders is, is moving into gold. And um, you're starting to see premiums rise on gold as well, which has been dormant for the past three years where companies were giving it away because of the of the term cost of carry, which means basically if kind of like. If you go to a restaurant at dinner time and it's crazy busy and this is a hopping place and you just sit there with your, your, your buddy having a pint of beer and that's it and you're not eating and the, and the waiter or the waitress looks at you with the stink eye saying, come on, you know, there's money to be made here. Well, that's the same thing with, with holding gold over the last three years when you buy, you know, okay, I'll buy 500 ounces from the U.S. and 500 ounces from the Canadian Mint and 500 from the U.K. Mint and 500 from... South Africa. So we got 2,000 ounces of gold and no one's buying it. Everyone's just buying silver. So it sits there collecting dust. So a lot of the dealers would just give it away so that they could take that money and go buy some more silver to, you know, keep the wheels moving. Well, that's changed all of a sudden. Premiums on gold have shot straight up. And if you look, it's interesting, if you look at the, the United States Mint uh, in the month of March, uh, excuse me, in the month of March, I've sold 288,000 ounces of gold between Eagles and Buffaloes, and, and, and that's the highest since 1998. And on a year-to-date basis, they've sold almost 600,000 ounces, which is the highest first quarter since right before Y2K in that panic in 1999. So you're seeing gold fly off the shelves, and uh, I think that has a lot to do with the size of the orders that we're doing, where people before would call and, and spend 5 or 10%. Now they're saying, I'll, I'll spend $2 million. I'm emptying my bank account. What can you get me? And so a lot of this is, is in gold right now, more so than we've seen. What we've seen in the last three weeks was probably more than we sold over the entire 2022 year in gold because everything was in silver. Wow. And, and I think what, the other interesting thing would be to know, and this is, this is such valuable information, Andy, is are people choosing large bars or are they using coins, uh, buying coins that can be tr used without having to hack a bar in bits you know, if you need it? Another great question, Andrew. Uh, in silver, I don't have a problem with large bars if you have the utility side covered. You have some coins and some smaller bars because it's so hard to move. I mean, a hundred grand in gold, my wife could put it in her purse and go for a five mile walk and wouldn't even have a sore shoulder, but a hundred grand in silver is 240 pounds. So that's a big difference. So with, I don't have as big of a problem with getting large bars in silver, but I tell people here on the retail side of things that the savings you get 
on a kilo bar of gold, as an example, is not commensurate with the loss of, of, of flexibility by buying one ounce pieces, even a one ounce gold bar from you know, Valcambi or Pamp or a one ounce Eagle or, or Britannia or whatnot. The savings, even if it's 20 bucks an ounce on 32.15 ounces, so you save 640 bucks on $60,000, it's not worth it to be 32 times less flexible. So I advise people with gold to focus on one ounce. With silver, I'm okay going to kilo, 100 ounce, even 1,000 ounce on large orders because of, it, because of the, the savings, in my opinion, on silver is more justifiable than it is on gold. So the majority of what people are buying here in North America is actually the highest premium item, and that's the eagle and the buffalo. And I'm not exactly sure why they want that so much, but I will tell you that it has dominated what we have sold over the last three weeks in gold has primarily been eagles and buffaloes. And the beauty of this is we're talking about something that is fungible. When, you, when they take this single coin or whether it's a bar, whatever it is, this is fungible everywhere in the world with seamlessly, it'll be understood in, in, in the smallest town in, in Indonesia. It'll be understood everywhere. This is so powerful. And I think um, the silver thing, it was interesting, you jogged my memory here or the, uh, when I was in Liechtenstein, uh, there's some vaults there with, that, we, that we're involved with. And a client, I walked in with a client and he had literally, and we're talking about a thousand ounce bars. Yeah, okay, no problem, thousand ounce bar. But he had floor to ceiling, literally floor to ceiling pallets of one ounce coins, no name coins, just one ounce silver coins. And I made the mistake of saying, well, hang on a minute, we could have done a better deal for you. He said, are you crazy? And I, and I really learned my lesson there because he said he took, you know, he held up one, he had it in his pocket, held up one. He said, when it's worth 50, 100, 200, 300 bucks, well, how, how am I going to deal with a big bar? And it's so true. And it's like, it was a lesson learned for me. I felt like an idiot because what you're doing now is this is traction. This is happening now because what's going to happen to these, they're not doing it for to make money they're doing it it's to protect their assets to 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 first thing you've got to do is take responsibility what you're enabling people to do is take responsibility for themselves where they can't do it any other way yeah i think there's a bad habit in this industry now look you and i deal kind of in different realities you're you do things more on on if I'm not mistaken, more on the wholesale side and the big bars and whatnot. And I'm dealing more with the individual public, although we do do a little bit of that. I, I always say to people, look, <clears throat> whether, you're, um, whether you're playing poker with your buddies or driving on a super crowded highway or just living life, you can never have too many outs or exits or options. I think to to realize that people oftentimes try to maximize their dollar spent, which is what we're told to do. Look at all the box stores, the Home Depots and, and, and those kinds of giant box stores where you go in and, and your Costco's of the world where your dollar is, is, is maximized by buying large quantities. You, you make a mistake in this industry because the higher up you go in size, the, you are minimizing the ability of the public to to buy from you you are narrowing your liquidity to a small group of companies that have the wherewithal and the ability to to promptly purchase that from you so i do like what your client said i think you can never have too many options in life you can never have too much 
flexibility. Now, there comes a time, like in the case of the United States Eagle, where it's just too bloody expensive, where you're paying way too much money because of the inefficiency of the U.S. Mint in regards to their silver, which is something I can't for the life of me figure out why it is easier for me to buy United Kingdom uh, Britannias, you know, by the pallet load than it is <clears throat> to buy U.S. Eagles here from the States. And, and even if I do buy them, the difference in cost is as much as $7 an ounce. It makes no sense. My entire career, the difference may have been 70 cents an ounce, not $7 an ounce. So something's going on with, with the U.S. Mint and the way that they, they uh, sell their silver. But, you know, to your point and to the lesson that you learn, I completely agree. I think that you can never be too flexible, <clears throat> ever. And there comes a point where it becomes, you know, you have to factor in the cost. But, yeah, the demand for one-ounce coins will always be strong, whereas the demand for 1,000-ounce bars... Sure, there are companies that will buy it and, and maybe even industrials on Comex that will buy it, but you're minimizing your liquidity pool by doing that. So you have to think about weighing the benefits of, of you know, it's like I always say to people, and I, I'm assuming there's a Costco in, uh, in the UK, but, you know, you don't go to, the, to Costco to buy a can of tuna fish to make a tuna fish sandwich because you get a can this big. And, and that's kind of the thing here. You need to think of what your motivation is. If you're going to invest $50 million, fine. You're going to buy 1,000-ounce bars. But you're going to invest six or, or, or even seven figures in silver and gold. To me, it doesn't make sense to go big to, to, to minimize your liquidity when you can have great flexibility. And who knows how high the price goes? Because I've learned, the one thing I've learned, Andrew, in 34 years of doing this is that markets go higher than anyone ever thinks possible to the upside and fall further to the downside than anyone thinks possible. When I started in this industry, the Dow Jones was 2,100, and I watched it go above 35,000. No one would have ever said it's going up 17 times in 1989 when I started in this industry. And at the same time, the Nikkei was 40,000, and they owned Rockefeller Center and Pebble Beach Golf Course and casinos in Vegas, and they made anything with a motherboard or an engine better than anyone in the world. They were taking over the world. And here we are 30 years later, and their Nikkei, which has collapsed, is still not only not even two thirds of the way back to where it was or or close to it. So the point of it is, is that <clears throat> I think before this is all said and done, we are witnessing and we haven't even talked about what's happening outside the border and the, the rapid de-dollarization, which is spinning and spinning and spinning. I talked about this for three years. It has been my focus. My focus has been on what's happening outside the country. And, and the ironic thing is the catalyst to all this is what's happening inside the country, but will only be exacerbated by the tier one asset of gold and the accumulation of it by the world central banks and the de-dollarization and the, the, the move to accumulate hard assets instead of U.S. dollars and the relationships that are being made is only going to exacerbate this and, and really make it spin faster. There were 20 things that I counted, 20 things that happened just in the last week that support what I've been talking about. And I guess what I'm really trying to say is before this is all said and done, gold and silver will not be the, you know, the strange cousin that you see once every four years. Gold and silver are going to be, I think, are going to come full circle to the way that they have been viewed for thousands of years, and that is as wealth. And these, these assets that we consider um, to be wealth now I think are going to be looked at in a very different way. And in that light, having the utility of smaller pieces to me is worth it. And, and I think if you can afford it, it's worth it to pay to have the extra flexibility 
instead of maximizing your, your value into one giant bar, which lacks that liquidity. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and I know that you, it would probably take, it'd probably take uh, half an hour to go through all of those sudden de-dollarization, these, these unfatted de-dollarization moves. But what really caught my attention, I don't know, you might know this, but Kenyan President Ruto, did, did you see? He literally, yeah, that was scary. Is, he urges people, I'm just, I had to, I had to print this out. He says, I urge you people to dump, to, to buy, uh, we're going to no longer buy our energy in dollars going forward. For the people who work numbers, I'm giving you free advice. Those of you who are holding dollars, you certainly might go into losses. You better do what you're going to do because the market is going to be different in a couple of weeks. weeks. And, and, you know, I actually, there's one word that I think you got wrong in there. And the only way, and I, I had to listen to it 40 times. I still couldn't get it. And then I put the transcription up. He says, those of you in dollars should go see the nurse. <laughs> because his command of the language isn't, isn't so good. Oh, excellent. But yeah, something will change in the next two weeks. And this was right after they struck a deal with the UAE and Saudi Arabia to sell their, their oil in Kenyan shillings. And I don't know if you've ever played the game Jenga, but in, in the States here, there's a, a game. And it's with little pieces, that little blocks. Yes. And, and you put it together inside of a little case and you take the case off. And the object of the game is to pull one block out at a time before the whole thing falls over. The last person who pulls it out and it falls over loses. Well, in and of itself, what Kenya did by selling their or, or, or buying oil from the UAE and from uh, Saudi Arabia in the Kenyan shillings isn't as big of a deal. But you put it together with the, the numerous other things that are happening at the exact same time. And it becomes incredibly relevant. And when, when you see the president say, you better get out of dollars or go see the nurse because, because something's going to change in the next few weeks. Well, this is the anxiety that you are seeing people, because I've been talking about this now since that, that came out. At the same time, within days of that happening, you have uh, Saudi Arabia, who's already formally applied to BRICS, who's already told the world they'll take uh, uh, other currencies for oil, now is applying for the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, which is a massive deal. They are a military organization as well. There is your protection right there from the West. This is the pieces are being put into place right now and you keep pulling out these pieces or 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 brazil the second largest exporter of corn in the world now will only deal with china in in yuan or france selling uh, buying uh, liquid natural gas in in yuan or selling liquid natural gas in yuan all of these things that keep happening are exacerbating and spinning the wheel faster and faster and faster of de-dollarization. And, and I think that is what is really, really, really been my focus. And when that becomes second fiddle to the idiocy and the brain dead monetary policy here at home, it only makes me that much more afraid of what is coming. Look, I got three kids. My youngest is still in 10th grade. And you know, I'm, I'm afraid for the world they're growing up in because you can see that the world is laughing at us and they are moving away as fast as they possibly can. You know, you talk about what China is doing, Andrew. They came in and they are mending fences with countries that have hated each other for centuries. They, they have built a, 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 a railway between Iraq and Iran, the first ever. They have mended fences between Iran and Saudi Arabia and they're building embassies in each other's 
countries because my enemy's enemy is my friend. They are coming in and spending billions of dollars in Africa and in, in South America building infrastructure, building ports and railways and bridges, building oil refineries and rigs and gold and silver mines and helping them get this to market to build their mutually beneficial uh, in, environment, this ecosystem of, of, of cooperation and, and, and instead of fostering war and bickering and fighting, they're saying, look, this is our one chance to get out from underneath the hegemony of the West. This is our one chance. Let's just be friends for God's sakes already. Let's forget about what we, they're worse than we are. This is our chance. And you know how you make it work? It's because of you and what you told the world a couple years ago about the tier one revision of gold and all of the, look at who's buying all the gold. Look at Turkey. They formally applied to BRICS. They bought more gold than anyone in the world for the last year and a half. Look at all of the countries that are joining. If you look at the percentage of, of gold in terms of reserves and all the countries that are joining the BRICS plus nations, they're 35 to 80% of reserves. It's insane. These countries are flocking to gold because it gives them equal footing at this new table that will be backed by commodities, presumably by gold and maybe other commodities like rare earths and oil or whatever. But the point of it is, is that you can see this. And when you look at the acceleration and then look at the dysfunction here, it's a matter of time before the wheels fall off. And I am going to sound the alarm. I am the little boy who cried wolf. I've been crying wolf for three years. But I will tell you this, that I have never seen these pieces come together in a way that they are and a reaction by the public, which still represents less than 1% of total assets in the US is gold and silver. And if, if it just becomes 5%, you know, that's a seven to eight to tenfold increase in demand in this industry. And like that, it's gone. It's over. And those people who will, will be late to the party will have no options but to buy things like ETFs. And what are the governments of the world doing? They're buying real physical gold. They're not buying gold within an ETF. They're buying the real thing. They're removing counterparty risk. They're pulling it off the LBMA. They're pulling it off the COMEX in record numbers. And not just gold and silver. Uh, aluminum and zinc and all of these metals that are needed to build an infrastructure or 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 corn or wheat or soybeans. I mean, look at the, the percentage of ownership that China has in all of these countries that are coming together against the Western hegemony. It is happening right now. And I think that um, this is this is something people really need to listen to and pay attention to. This is not about getting wealthy. This is about getting out of the way of what's coming and using gold and silver, which have been wealth for 5,000 years through every pandemic, through two world wars, through uh, hyperinflation in, in Germany and the Great Depression. And it's all coming together right now. And you can see that the sophisticated money, the biggest, smartest money in the world, who's closest to the information has been using Western price suppression to de-dollarize and to get the hell out of Dodge and pull their stuff off of the exchanges, removing counterparty risk because counterparty risk and the word systemic is gonna have a whole new meaning by the end of this year, in my opinion, than it ever has. And the people closest to the information, well, they know this and they're preemptively getting into place and away from that, that potential carnage. I mean, you touched on some gold here, some absolute gold. I think this is something which I think often is missed, um, you know, by, by blinkered, you know, we sort of blinkered in our lives. And, and I think 
I mean, when you're talking about, you know, 3.8 billion people, SEO members, you're talking 1.5 million, a billion African states members. None of these guys, I mean, and you talk about fence building. Wow, this is so powerful because none of these people who may have been enemies in the past, they're not interested or have the luxury of indulging in pampered, woke ideologies. They're too busy working. They're looking to cooperate to with each other, to build themselves a better lives with far more equitable. It's, it's a multipolar world. And they're, they're no longer threatened by this unipolar sort of uh, currency which ruled them. And and so this is putting the U.S. in the rearview mirror, and it's I cannot believe how dense the the, the policymakers are. They don't. See, they must see this. They must see this. It's too late for them to do anything. So what are they going to do? What what's their options, Andy? What's their options? Are they? Well, you know, and, and I'm glad you asked that question. And for those of you out there, Andrew and I have no. We do not speak before this, right? Yeah. Um, so the questions that you're asking me, you could, I mean, it's a softball as far as I'm concerned, because I have been saying for a very long time that the biggest question that I have, the un unanswered question that I have is, is, is this intended? I'm going to, I just want to throw a few things out there. First of all, let's talk about, um, weaponizing of the dollar. And, and, and if you realize that, you know, that the U.S. balance sheet just came out and, and we have a $76 trillion unfunded liability in uh, Social Security. In fact, Reuters just reported this week that the, let me see if I have the number here, they reported that Social Security funds are projected to run out by 2020, 2033, says Reuters. $76 trillion, trillion with a T underfunded in a trillion seconds ago was 31,688 years ago. 31,688 years ago is a trillion seconds, right? And we're, we, he, Biden wants to do a $7 trillion budget. Uh, that's his budget, $7 trillion. And, and I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable what's happening. But if you look at, at talking about was this intended, we have the largest asset in the United States, according to the 2022 budget, was student debt. Right, represents about 32 or 3% of all assets in the U.S. They, the land of the free, the world reserve currency, their largest asset is student debt. How pathetic is that? And when you throw in Medicare and Medicaid and government and military pensions, all of which are off balance sheet, you're at over $100 trillion, and then you add in the $31 trillion debt. We're 130 to $150 trillion indebted, most of which accumulated at the lowest interest rates in human history. It's game over as rates rise. So was it intended? You know, they, they go out there and they say, well, it's Putin's inflation. Bullshit, it's Putin's inflation. It's the Federal Reserve's inflation and, and, the, and, and the, the stupid monetary and fiscal policy of the government to pour money into, into the United States, create more money than has ever been created, more money in the last four years than in the history of the country preceding it, and they call it Putin's inflation. If you studied Austrian economics for 30 seconds, you know that always inflation is a monetary event. It is an increase in the money supply, always. So by pointing at Putin, Putin's, it's Putin's inflation, they're just, you know, yeah, the supply chain got goofed up a little bit, so what? But they're, they're just further dumbing down the idiocy in this country. And then you talk about weaponizing the dollar. Well, if they realize that there's no way out of this debt, right? Well, then how about you find a villain, those sons of bitches, Xi Jinping and OPEC and Putin. They did it to us. They ruined our way of life. It's them. 
It's not us. And I wonder, was it intended? Now let's look inside the country and talk about one thing. Now, again, this is supposition, but I want people to broaden their horizon. Mm-hmm. Lael Brainerd is her name. Lael Brainerd, I believed, and I told people I thought she would be the, the, the Fed chairman. Uh, she was running alongside Powell when he was due to be reappointed. And I figured, well, he's a Trump appointee. There's no way they're going to keep him. So they'll, they'll have Lael Brainerd, who came from the Treasury before that. And Lael Brainerd um, was bypassed as the, the Fed chair and was anointed vice chair at the Federal Reserve. Now, she just left to head up the, uh, some branch of economic advisory at, at the White House. She's advising um, the president uh, for economics at the White House. So her whole thesis was, was the elimination of the commercial banks. She's a modern monetary theorist. And she said that her whole thesis is paying money directly to the public if we need to speed things up inflationary. And even though it's controversial, she acknowledged, we'll take money from them out of their digital wallet if we need to slow things down. Now, think about this for a moment. You have 5,000 regional banks that are the backbone of this country and 70% of all the small business loans emanate from these banks. So what's the first step to get everyone into the banks? Well, into the big banks. Well, you, you scare the hell out of everyone saying that they're going to fail and you, we're not going to backstop them unless they're too systemic. And all these regional banks in middle America, they're not systemic enough, right? So they're all going to fail. So everyone yanks their money out and throws them into the big commercial banks who are witnessing massive inflows of money. Just, just this week alone, uh, $126 billion last week came out of the regional banks, $225 billion since three weeks ago when the banking crisis started. All this money is being yanked out and put into a handful of big, too big to fail banks. Now, what was Lael Brainerd's thesis? Modern monetary theory, get rid of the banks. Okay, so you blow up all the regional banks, everyone leaves, and within a few years, you got five or six big banks. And then what do you do? Then you blow up one of those or let them all blow up because they're systemically tied together and everyone, bang, vaporize. And then what? Now you have, you come rolling in your new CBDC to the rescue. Now, again, this is all thinking outside the box but my point to you is that was this shit intended Mm. do they know what they're doing how stupid do you have to be to tell the world tell the united states we're not going to backstop all these banks and there's there's more coming and they're going to fail what do you think's going to happen what do you think's going to happen when you weaponize the dollar and kick russia out of swift and in the case of the european union they didn't just sanction their assets they have confiscated them and publicly told russia they will be used to rebuild the ukraine what does the rest of the world think about this mm-hmm. if they're not on the right side of the west they're kicked out of SWIFT, their assets are frozen and stolen, and they become, you know, a pariah. What do they do? Well, they form relationships with everyone else in the world that amounts to north of 85% of human population that isn't going green, that is all being united under cooperation and a common goal of betterment, economic betterment. And, and you have to ask yourself, Andrew, were they, were, hey, knock it off. Sorry about that. He's and welcome. Stupid, or are they just are they smarter than we think? And they are trying to blow all of this up because they realize they've gone too far down the rabbit hole to ever pull themselves back out. That's the question that I would pose to you and to everyone else out there. Either our leaders are completely oblivious and just stupid as hell, and they think just what's right in front of their face, or this is calculated and this is the the great reset. 
And the one thing that people have not put together that I have been screaming about is what happens when, bang, they all dump dollars at the same time. Uh, There's there's a term Operation Sandman that basically says there's 150 plus countries out there that have all agreed to sell dollars and treasuries at the exact same time. When that switch is flipped and the dollars come rushing home, creating a tsunami of, of inflation and interest rates spike as a result, really spike, not just the pussyfooting of 50 basis points or 25 basis points that the Fed does, but I mean really spikes because the world has dumped dollars. What happens? And everything, which is inversely correlated to a rise in rates, is what makes people feel wealthy in this country. Stocks, bonds, and real estate. This is what scares me more than anything. And it's, it's as if they have intended this because they realize there's no way out. And at least by doing it this way, the people in this country are so stupid that they would actually believe that it's the fault of those guys. They did it, not us. Not us who the rest of the world believes is completely hypocritical, where we can go into a country like Iraq and blow it up uh, looking for weapons of mass destruction. Don't find any. And then, oh, sorry, it's okay. And what did Iraq just do? They just signed a deal with China to, for trade in Yuan. A lot, of, a lot of gratitude they have to us. They don't. They hate us, just like most of the world looks at us as bullies and as hypocritical. And this is their one shot to break free. So I guess I will just simply say to you, what do the governments do? I don't know. I believe, in, in, if, if I were completely candid, I believe it was intended, that this is an intended operation because they realize it's better. If you have to fall on the sword, you might as well let them fall on it. And the same, the same result is, is a new system, a reset, a new system that is ushered in uh, on the Western CBDC. I guess, I guess we'll have to see, but either that or our leaders are just completely and totally brain dead. And I don't know which, which is the worst uh, result. No, I think you're right. I think this is it's so important to think for ourselves. This is it because because in this woke world, we're, we're told that that actually free speech, uh, talking about these things, is actually is actually uh, uh, racism. It's bad. You know, we mustn't be. We mustn't. In, in fact, it's almost terrorism to have free speech. So you should be cancelled if you're if we're doing what we're doing now. Is is often cancelled, and 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 luckily it isn't cancelled at this point for us, but. But the thing is, you've just touched some major stuff here. And it's like, yes, this is what we should be thinking about. Because, it, But it, bottom line, we have to take responsibility for each and ourselves. And, and I think that's, you know, we're, we're 1.8 billion people uh, of the NATO. We're, we're, you know, we're, we're being ruled by this NATO uh, world. And, and, and here's the thing, you know, if they've blown it, if they are snookered, and if they really are snookered, you can't start a, 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 a nuclear war. I mean, that, that, that's ridiculous because you just blow yourself up. So that's stupid. But I mean, but on the other hand, this WEF um, situation, which is quite openly discussed, um, you know, in order to build back better, you have to break something. And what you're talking about is breaking something. And, and then so really maybe this is, Maybe this is because they've got no other options left is to accelerate this this situation where we all have to put our hand out and say, well, well, hang on, we, we, we need help. And and um, but there's only one point eight billion of us. There's five billion um, in the rest of the world, you know, to three point eight SEO members, one point five billion 
you know, Africans, others. So it's interesting. I think they've blown it. And, and I, I, I just wonder what, other than taking responsibility for ourselves, doing what you're doing, going out, telling people, s s protect your assets. The that's the, what's the primary thing you can do? We can't control what these guys are going to do, but we can control what we're doing. And you have just, you're helping people right now to do that. And, and, you know, you, you're making speeches, you're going out, you're, 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 you're flying out tomorrow to, um, to a massive event. Robert Kiyosaki, he is followed by so many people. What he's done, what you've done is cast that net out. You are helping so 12,000 odd people. I mean, hang on. And the rest and all the ones that are still thinking about doing this. And are now going, oh, and some people need to be like a sheep. They need to follow what's going on. And it's like, this is amazing. What you're doing, Andy, is so powerful. And I think you're part of the reason of what we're seeing now. Because, you know, we're seeing the ratio trade unwind. Why? Because, you know, JP Morgan alone owns over 50% of all the metal markets. Alone. And they're just an agent for the, for, for, for the Fed. Uh, for, for the for the for the for the, for the for the officials as we call them, but I mean, hang on, you know, what, what, this is the solution. You you they cannot fight a physical market. This has to be the most bullish setup since Nixon slammed that window shut. Man, oh man, I mean, and we have the ability. You are giving people. We are giving people the ability to actually take these bloody risky investments in bank. If people think, oh no, my money's in the bank. No, 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 it's not your money. It's in the bank. It has your name on it. You don't own it. And you just went through that. So I don't need to go through this. You've already outlined that this is, these, these bail-in situations are just that far away. So what you're doing is, is helping people quickly before it's too late. Get this worthless cash. Yeah, it's already depreciating 10% a year anyway, 20% probably in reality. But what you're doing is taking this out of the system, converting it into something where you've actually protected people. And one day when we look back at this through the rearview mirror, uh, Andy, yeah, you, you, you said you may be called Wolf. No, no, you didn't. What you were doing was keeping our alert, our radar up there to watch for this. And now it's happened. And well, I, I'd I think, say the same thing about you, Andrew. I've been reading. I, I originally found you through Bill Murphy and Chris Powell, who I will say again, everyone out there who owns gold and silver owes a debt of gratitude to yes. Bill Murphy and Chris Powell, yes. the, the Gold Antitrust Action Committee. Yeah. They're, they're brave. They've stood up to this for a very long time. They, they have fought against immeasurable odds, and they were the ones who originally turned me on to you. Um, and so it's been a long, it's been a long fight. We've both been at this for, for a very long time. But I would like to also say one other thing, and that is that, you know, people ask me, is there anything that can be done to stop this? And the only thing that I can think of is, is a very interesting little known tidbit that more people should talk about. So if we go back to 2019, you know, we go back to 2017 and the banks repatriating all their gold and, and massively buying at the Eastern European banks in 2017, 18 and 19 out of nowhere. It was because the BIS reclassified gold and levied it to a high quality liquid asset, basically tier one, uh, the same thing as, as cash basically. So, but you know, 
in 2020, the, the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, which is about 150 countries from around the world that was formulated at Bretton Woods, well, they said, we want a new system. We want a new Bretton Woods. I found that to be very interesting. Well, if you think about what could we do, they just came out with a report a few weeks ago, and the report is something to the extent of gold in international reserve, question mark, a barbarous relic no more. And so you have the IMF, who is the Western side of the table, saying, well, you know, if you read between the lines, gold will be the, the, the peg to make a new world reserve. This is what the folks in the East already know, and it's who can get to the table first, who can legitimize their currency first. And the question is, does it have to all blow up first in order to come in with a, a CBDC peg to gold? That I'm not quite sure, but what I am certain of is that gold is very important right now to the central banks, who bought more last year than in any year since 67, the second most in history. And if you look at the January numbers over December, they were up 192% month over month, meaning, and largely due to Turkey, that these countries are doubling down their acquisition of gold because I think they've been able to use the Western price suppression against them to accumulate copious amounts, but it's becoming harder to do that with the drawdown off of COMEX and the LBMA, these, these massive drawdowns. So I think you know you just have to do what the big money is doing and listen closely, read between the lines and and I think this is this is the one shot because what does every central bank own? Gold. And what is every central bank buying? Gold. What has been reclassified as, as tier one? Gold. Who's been accumulating it and repatriating it since 2017? The most sophisticated investors in the world. And one other thing I want to mention, for all of you out there who understood what Andrew just said about JP Morgan acting as an agent for the Fed, there was an interview done by Chris Marcus from Arcadia Economics several years ago, and, and you should Google it. Chris Marcus slash Bart Chilton, C-H-I-L-T-O-N. Bart Chilton was the head of the CFTC, the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, the, the commodity cops. And he admitted everything that we've always thought. He talked about Bear Stearns going bankrupt. He, he talked about Jamie Dimon being brought into Paulson's office, striking a deal, and, and Jamie Dimon said, listen, if we take over Bear Stearns' short position, and, and he admits that a large reason why Bear Stearns failed was because silver went to 21 bucks an ounce, and they had this huge bet against it. And he said, they said to him, uh, Bernanke and, and Hank Paulson, to Jamie Dimon, you need to take this over. You need to take their, their short position. Okay, guys, I'll do that, but I'll be in position, JP will be in position of, of uh, in violation of position limits. Okay, Jamie, that's fine. We'll give you a certain amount of time, like 90 days or whatever, to, to get that back under acceptable levels so you're in, in line with position limits. So this is being told to Chris Marcus by the former head of the CFTC, right? And then he says, listen, uh, after that time period came up, I went into my superiors and I said to them, they need to be prosecuted. They're in violation of antitrust law and our agreement. And in fact, they've increased their short position. They didn't decrease it. And he was told to back down. It was a political decision. He admitted this in this podcast. Mm. Now, I'm not tying the two together, but he died about a week later. And he it was the only time he ever admitted. So when people think that, oh, Andrew and Andy are just talking conspiracy, the banks wouldn't be manipulated on behalf of the Fed and the U.S. government, the hell they don't. 
And this is how they support the bond market and create this illusion of a strength of dollar, strength of economy, strength of system. And what rising gold and silver are is the screaming canary in the gold mine. He comes out and admits this and was told that he had to back down because it was a political decision. So understand this is a very high stakes game. And this is why it has been so hard for gold and silver to express themselves in the midst of 40 year high inflation and chaos, both domestically and globally. These are the important things to understand, to take a step back from the price, which is the greatest tool of misdirection. Sure, it's above 2000 today. Everyone's going to flock in. The funds will flock in, but they're missing the point. 2000 is just a way stop on the way to way the hell higher if they're ever going to use it to peg to a new system. And, and I think that's where we're heading. And, and I think people will look back on 2000 and say, Jesus, I should have listened. I should have bought more. And it's not to get wealthy. If you own enough of it, you will be wealthy. Uh, it, it's to protect yourself from what's coming. And even though these guys have the biggest money in the world who are draining the exchanges, they're closest to the information. And that's what you need to understand is that they know what's coming and they are removing metal from the exchanges where all the liquidity is, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have if you have a million ounces and thousand ounce bars in, in uh, uh, Briggs uh, JFK in New York City, that's a COMEX depository. If, if Elon Musk says, I want to buy any silver bar that people will sell me, I'll pay $50 an ounce premium. If yours is not on the COMEX exchange at that moment, you're dead. Because to get it back in, reassayed and 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 resubmitted um, to the COMEX would take way too long and be way too costly. When these people are removing metal, like we are seeing, disappearing off of the exchanges, like 33 tons of gold were moved out of J.P. Morgan's vault uh, in 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 April and 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 in the last deliver the night of the last delivery uh, month, the last day of the delivery month for April was was March 30th. And, you know, you're talking massive amounts of gold and silver were taken off the exchanges, 4.8 million ounces of silver just this week. And I don't 10,682 contracts of gold were, were taken off. That's a million ounces or more. This is leaving the ecosystem. And when it leaves the ecosystem, it's never coming back because all of that industrial liquidity is gone and people need to understand what this means. It means that the biggest money in the world knows what's coming and they are proactively removing counterparty risk. And what does Doug Casey always say? Gold and silver are the only assets that are not simultaneously someone else's liability. And to see the big money yanking them out of the exchanges and off a of COMEX means that they want it in their possession before all hell breaks loose. And much like the banking system, which is rehypothecated, so too is the COMEX and, and maybe to a larger degree. Yeah, and, and you're talking about, um, you know, the agents here and, and, their, and how they operate. Um, but each, each in, for their own house, for their own book, they are long physical gold, long physical silver. And yes, while they act as agent, of course, they're using insider knowledge to know whether something's going to be given to actually enrich themselves even further. One day this will come out. And, and a lot of our evidence is now coming through to the point where some people are going to do jail time. It's taken 10 years from, from the day I think you and I met and had lunch at, in London at, 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 in 2011. And, and we were already, um, what, three years into an investigation at this point. And I must say, I do want to give credit to Ted Butler, 
Um, and, and I did right on the stage there. I wanted to say he's the fellow that actually made me look at the market in the first I agree. place. And, I and agree. yeah, he, he, he really does deserve credit. And, and um, it's just that we then managed to look, hook into finding out uh, where where these um, sig these these signals and messages were coming from, which would tell us in 88 occasions where the price would be the next day. And so that was really what helped to nail these guys because it's all on tape and then these guys couldn't get away with it. Um, but, I, but I think I, I want to... It's it's yourself. It's the te likes of Ted Butler. Butler. It's the likes of Chris Powell, um, dear Adrian Douglas, who is no longer with us. Um, still, still think of him on a regular basis. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Bill Murphy. I mean, what a powerhouse. There, there's. I mean, his football spirit, man. That is one powerful dude. And and you know, these are forces to be reckoned with, but. This is a team and, and you're talking now to an even bigger team and, you know, you're putting your, 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 are bringing people into this team and it's, and, and people just, and, and this 12,000 odd fresh clients in the last few days. I mean, this is since, since the fallout of, I'm just talking about a week or two. I mean, this is enormous and it is having this effect. It is going to force discipline on these on the agent banks who are, well, disciplined on the officials because Basel III compliant physical bullion, you can play all the games you want in the COMEX, but unless you've got enough speculators that you can rinse out. So, so you're, you're, it, it, the game is how many can you rinse out? But each time it's less and less and less because more and more are getting sticky and who really are using, um, the, the 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 paper gold system, which we don't we, we don't trade the paper gold system, but but using the paper gold system to hedge risks elsewhere, and they're not going to get rinsed, and so that means that hang on, you can only now rinse some of the specs, not all of the specs, and so you've got these higher stair steps coming up. I mean, watch where the central bank sovereign bids come in, and it it was at eighteen twenty, just less than a year, less than a month ago. It's now up in the 19, probably 30s. And it's, these, are, these are central bank aggregated bid levels because what happens is, is that you then play this game. You now have an EF, the, the EFP mechanism, which allows you to take this bloody, this undeliverable COMEX stuff and you put it into a T plus two deliverable NSFR compliant, Basel three compliant spot contract T plus two, you have to set, you have to deliver it. And then we're seeing this ring fence, this LBMA CME ring fence get leapt over. And as you just said, this physical is leaving. It's leaving the game. It is never coming back. It is draining the game and the paper wrapping around all of these, around our gold price, our silver price is going away. This is alchemy. This is actual alchemy without lead. It's just paper to physical. Yeah, you're, you're completely and totally right. And that, that, that's why I say to people, the movement of the metal out of the exchanges betrays the price and the rhetoric. And, and that's, that's the thing people need to understand is that misdirection is very pervasive. The art of war, the no look pass in basketball, any game you play, the object is to misdirect your opponent. 
And, and that's how they misdirect all of us is with price. And the thing is that the West has been doing it to make their currencies seem stronger and their markets seem stronger. And the East says, fine, we'll just do the old Nijitsu move on you and we will use your leverage against you. And we will then drain your exchanges to the point where 400 tons were delivered in the third quarter of last year, of which the West only said only 120 or 180 of the 400 tons, they knew where it was going. The rest of it, two thirds of it, they assumed it was all going to the BRICS nations. And, but that's the point, is that it, it, it not only is it counter, removal of counterparty risk, it's a little bit of anonymity in a world that is becoming so digital and, and so um, invasive that privacy is a thing of the past, a memory of the past. And so I think that's also exacerbating the move out of paper. And if you don't feel safe in your currency or in your bank, where the hell do you go? And that's why I think people are finally starting to wake up. That's why it's so different this time, because yeah. people are, are realizing, well, wow, if the world is really de-dollarizing now that Fox is talking about it and even CNBC, mm. oh, you know, maybe I ought to do something about it. And then I see that the banks could fail. And little by little, this is starting to gain momentum, Andrew. And I think it, we are a long way away from it really getting crazy, but really not a long way at all. I mean, it's just one event can change that very, very quickly. But I guess I'll just simply say that the biggest money is always way ahead of the curve. And and the, the big money has been massively accumulating metal since 2017, 2018, uh, when everything changed before the BIS came in and, and reclassified gold with the Basel III uh, uh, classification or, or um, re, re uh, whatever I'm trying to say, um, reclassification of gold and and but the big money knew this was coming and they are showing their card they're showing their hand by watching how much they continue to not only accumulate but also repatriate so yeah i think it, this is i think you and i need to have another um another sit down you know sometime late summer early fall or sooner i love chatting with you you get it in ways that most people don't and i i'd, I'd love to see how this all plays out because what I am most concerned about, about above all else, is how the de-dollarization plays out and when the switch is flipped. When now that Saudi Arabia has joined the um, the uh, Shanghai Cooperation Organization, yeah. Now that Mexico has joined BRICS, oh, goodness me, Japan joining BRICS. There's talks of Australia, and New Zealand joining BRICS. The dominoes are beginning to fall. Yeah. And when that happens, what does it mean for us here in the States and for you there in the UK? And unfortunately, I think it's a very scary scenario. So do what the biggest money in the world is doing. Do what the most sophisticated money in the world is doing, closest to the information. And that is accumulating gold and silver. And it ain't to get rich. It's to get the hell out of the way of a locomotive that's barreling down on you. And, and the, the, whoever's driving the train is sleeping, doesn't see you sitting on the track. So that, to me, is would be my, my rallying cry to everyone out there. And I'd love to come back in, in a few months and, and see where we end up because I have a feeling it's going to be a, a different world in a very short period of time. Next time we'll do it with a beer and we'll do it personally. That would be incredible, brother. <laughs> that would be incredible. I would love that. But uh, much respect to you and, and thanks for having me on your fantastic show. I watch everything you do and uh, I'm always a phone call away, but I'll look forward to picking up where we left off and, and with a pint of beer in hand would even be better. 
Likewise, and um, so so people can actually um, can they actually see you at this? Um, uh, can they log in and see you at this when you make this speech? So I don't know if Robert's. You know, it's interesting. I don't think it is televised, and I know it's sold out. I am not okay. sure uh, if it is at all possible to to get the ability to to disseminate uh, what happens at that show. We will be the first one to to publish it, but I'm just uh, thrilled to be asked to present there and, and I'm not sure even who's gonna be there uh, and or if it is going to be um, televised simulcast, I don't know. Well, it's a beautiful thing what you're doing. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us. It is, it is really heartfelt, thank you so much. And um, we will definitely circle back. Uh, Andy, thanks for everything you do. We shall put a link as to where we, people can find you. And um, obviously, in the meantime, I think people should play this back twice because a lot of what you said here needs to be heard twice. So thank you so much, Andy, for everything. Pleasure is mine, brother. You stay well, Andrew. We all need you too. So we'll look forward to seeing you again real soon. Bless you. 